Over the last few Sunday mornings, during January and these early weeks of February, we have been looking at a new sermon series entitled Fresh Prayers for a New Year. And it's hard to believe that this morning brings us to the halfway point in that series of studies. And this morning we're turning to Psalm 37. So if you have your Bible with you this morning, Psalm 37, verses 1 through 7. And if you're watching from home this morning, it's helpful if you have a Bible in front of you and a pen and a notebook of some kind to fully engage with all that we are looking at this morning. And we have, as you know, been looking at some of the prayers of the Apostle Paul. And also, we've been looking at some of the Psalms, as the Old Testament book of Psalms is both the church's hymn book and also our prayer book. The themes of the Psalms often run throughout our hymnology, but also throughout our prayers as well. And so this morning we come to Psalm 37 at verse 1. And the title, as you'll see there in the Scriptures, is of David. And here is David the king writing in his old age, reflecting and looking back over his life. And we begin at verse 1. Do not fret because of evil men, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass they will soon wither, like green plants they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Amen, and we trust that God will bless to us this reading from his holy word. Earlier this week, I came across a meme which seemed appropriate to share with you this morning, and here it is. Every family has secrets until a Sunday school teacher asked a group of kids if they have any prayer requests. And, of course, we smile at that, and I have to say I've been on the receiving end of that more than once, and it's a lot of fun if you are the adult when children are sharing their family prayer requests because, of course, children will simply say whatever is in their mind and in their heart, and that's always so refreshing. And whenever we come to the Psalms, there's that note of childlike vulnerability. There is a sense of, as the psalmist has already highlighted for us, delighting in the presence of God, but also being open and childlike enough and vulnerable enough to share with him our deepest needs and longings, our hopes, our fears, our dreams, along with spontaneity, along with worship along with those private moments of being deeply moved by the presence of God and the Spirit of God without holding back. And throughout the Psalms we see all of these themes along with themes of frankness and urgency and questions and deep disappointment. And the Psalmist, of course, at times becomes so deep in his prayer requests, so 
open that often we think to ourselves, that is exactly how I feel. And we see ourselves in those Psalms. We see it, for example, in Psalm 10, when the psalmist prays, Why, O Lord, do you stand off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? And most of us who have walked the Christian life at some point or another in our walk with the Lord have felt exactly that. Other times, Psalm 13, one similar themes. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? In other words, the psalmist who's writing Psalm 13 has been praying and praying and praying and praying And God has not been responding the way the psalmist thought he should. Or perhaps he's not been responding at all. And you hear the frustration in these opening words of the psalmist. And then again, that well-known psalm, a messianic psalm that Jesus uttered from the cross. But likewise, there have been moments when most of us have felt in a similar manner. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me Why are you so far off from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. And so what do we do in those moments of deep urgency, fear, uncertainty, when God is not answering quickly enough, not answering at all? And so all of those themes are found within the book of the Psalms. And thus, the Psalms have become one of our favorite books over several millennia, one generation after another after another, because it highlights for us honesty and transparency, spontaneity and vulnerability. And we see some of that in Psalm 37 this morning as we come to it. It covers the entire range of emotions and experiences for us. And in Psalm 37, we have a mental snapshot from the life of David as an older man looking back over his life. And how do we know it's David as an older man? Well, as Sam tells us in verse 25, it tells us, I was young and now I am old. And here is David looking back, reflecting after many years of walking with the Lord. He's writing for us in many ways what we would rightly describe as devotional meditations, practical biblical principles. And so we have what Old Testament scholars call an anthology. And if you're an English major, you'll remember for your days of study that an anthology is a collection of writings or sayings in a single volume you can go back to again and again. In your mind, if you have a musical background or enjoy music, think of Psalm 37 almost like, not entirely, but almost like a series of David's greatest hits, a playlist you can go back to again and again and again. And the psalm absolutely lends itself to that. It's not unlike the book of Proverbs, which comes immediately after the psalms. And the other distinguishing mark of Psalm 37 is this. It's written in taking the Hebrew alphabet as an acrostic. Now let me demonstrate what I mean by that in English. If Psalm 37 was an acrostic in English. The first couple of verses would begin with the letter A. Always resist fretting. 
because of evil men or being envious of those who do wrong. And so the first two verses would begin with letter A. Second two, letter B. Be consistently trusting in the Lord and doing good. Then you'd have the rest of verses 3 and 4. Then 5 and 6 would begin, continue to delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. And so you have that sense of A, B, C running through it if it was in English. And in Hebrew poetry, that's exactly what happens. That's it's easier to memorize. And so Psalm, Psalm 37 would be well known in an Old Testament Testament age and to Hebrew scholars and those who read Hebrew. And so with all of that being said, the structure itself means that you can lift out various verses and apply them to your life at any given time because it is that collection of greatest hits from David in that not great illustration but a reasonable parallel if I can say that. And so this morning we're looking at verses 4 and again at verse 7. And verse 4 begins, and I would have to say this is one of my favorite verses of this entire psalm. It leaps out at me each time I come to Psalm 37. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Why am I attracted to it? Why do I like it so much? Why do I find myself going back to it on a regular basis on my own prayer time? Because it brings to me great comfort. fills me with great confidence, I suspect, is the best word I can use. It has helped me at major decision points in my life. It has encouraged me and equipped me for daily decisions. And I like it because of the use of language. It begins with one of my favorite words, just in case you haven't noticed, delight. And that is a word that just thrills me and allows my heart to soar heavenwards when it says, delight yourself in the Lord. And whenever I think of the word delight, I think of other words that are similar to it. Words like enthralled, captivated, fascinated, deep contentment. All of that is contained in those early opening words of verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. And the question perhaps uppermost in your mind this morning is this. Richard, I agree with you. I think it is one of those great verses of the psalm. And I agree that it leaps off the page. I agree it should be one of those memory verses. It should be an exercise that we're involved in daily. But Richard, I have a pretty basic question for you this morning. How do you go about delighting yourself in the Lord? How do you do that? What are the steps involved? Well, allow me, please, if I may, to go back a couple of Sundays to our previous studies in this series, Fresh Prayers for a New Year. And the first thing we do is this, is to remind you of those principles we touched on. And one of those principles was this, to carve out time for him. You can't delight yourself in someone else quickly or in a hurry, or in a manner that is in any way rushed. To delight 
means carve out time. Find a comfortable seat. Cup of coffee. Open your Bible. Spend time in His presence, allowing your mind and heart and soul, as I mentioned earlier, to soar heavenwards up into His presence. Don't rush it. Imagine having an outstanding meal with someone you admire. Someone you've longed to sit down with for an hour. You have lots of questions. Someone you have put on a pedestal, whether it be a great writer, great composer, a sports personality, perhaps a parent who's no longer here. Someone you would just absolutely delight to spend an hour with. I would have to say that the most famous person I've spent breakfast with is Dabo Sweeney. And we had him speaking at church here, and I got to spend about half an hour with Dabble. I certainly wasn't on my own, but there was about half a dozen of us there. And after I said good morning and welcomed them to First Press, he said, Now, where are you from? And I confessed I was from Pickens, and the conversation took off immediately after that, as you can imagine. And I didn't have to say anything because the other four or five folks who were there were sports fans and I simply watched and listened because, as you know, I have my finger on the pulse of college football. I was very glad to let everyone else determine that conversation. But I was amazed to watch and listen to someone with such expertise and experience. And I take that illustration and move it entering into the presence of God himself and delighting there thanking him for his goodness and his love for every moment of answered prayer of each time he's overwhelmed you with his love of those moments when he's got alongside you and encouraged you and strengthened you and put his arm around you and said I'm here for you. I'm going to walk with you. I will not let you go. That's where delight turns to adoration and prayer to praise. That's what happens on Sunday morning where two or three are gathered. Jesus promised, I will be right there with you by my Spirit. That is incredible to think through. That's why we say it is the highlight of our weekend. And it should be delighting yourself in the Lord. But one of the difficulties for us is this. That in order to do so, First, we carve out that time. Secondly, emotionally, psychologically, we begin to pray. And we pray at a deep level. An unhurried level. We put down the worries and concerns and anxieties. In those opening minutes of adoration, we simply rest in him and training yourself to do that is a good discipline a healthy discipline because when we are in those moments of adoration and praise of reciprocal love and grace we stop trying to fix everyone and everything and we simply rest in him And that's hard. Because we're often tempted to think that prayer is something else. 
In the back of our minds, we are tempted to think that prayer is a little like applying for a new driver's license. We mentally fill out a form. Oh, make a mistake. We score that out and make it better. We apply for a new job or a passport. We ask ourselves, how can we make this application shine? How can we make absolutely sure we've filled it out perfectly, that we've made no mistakes, and we go over it a second and third time? And likewise, with a job application, we want it to stand out. We want it to pop. We want it to catch the attention of the person reading it. But please understand and remember, what if, as we said two weeks ago, prayer is not about getting? How can I get God to listen? How can I get God to answer in this particular manner? How can I get Him to see it from my perspective or answer in a way that would benefit me most? What if prayer is not about getting, but rather, as we said, about being and becoming? What if the first act of prayer is to refine and shape and change and transform us? Before he goes on to do likewise for others and for situation and circumstances beyond our control. Delight yourself in the Lord and rest in Him. And what you discover is this, that your will becomes not His will, but rather His will becomes yours. And you look for His will in any given circumstances. You seek to follow it and become it rather than getting Him to do what you want Him to do. Delight yourself in the Lord. And you may be saying, okay, Richard, I get that. I appreciate that I shouldn't rush into his presence, that I should slow down a little, that I should rest in him. But what about the prayer requests I have? What about those urgent prayer requests? What about the deep longings of my heart when I'm praying for my children and my grandchildren and people in my neighborhood? Don't those prayer requests matter? Of course they matter. But they're never the first thing. We begin prayer with delight yourself in the Lord. And then... You continue to delight yourself in the Lord in three ways. Number one, you make Him central in your thinking. Father, let me see you at work in this situation. Help me to understand how you are operating in these circumstances. Father, this is incredibly challenging and painful and difficult for me. Let me sense your comforting presence in the midst of it. Put him central in your thinking. Then secondly, central in your feeling, in your emotions, in your love, the things you care of for the most. Father, deepen my love 
for you. Deepen my love and care for the people in this situation. Help me to be compassionate and willing to step out and help wherever I can. And Father, help me never to be a hostage to my emotions, a victim of my feelings. But help me to recognize them. And to shape and fashion those feelings that they might be used for you in the midst of this challenging situations. Help me to control those feelings rather than those feelings controlling or dominating me. Make them central in your thinking, central in your emotions, and thirdly, central in your planning. Father, if you wish this to go ahead, please... Go ahead of me. Lead me. Guide me. Direct me. Whatever your will, however you wish to guide me, allow me to delight myself in you first, then take the practical steps of central in your thinking, your emotion, and in your planning. Delighting yourself in the Lord. And remember, here is David. An older man looking back over the years of walking with the Lord lays out these practical steps and applications. And he will give you the desires of your heart. And you may be saying, yeah, Richard, right, sure. There are times I have prayed and God has simply not given me the desires of my heart. There are times when, yes, I have sensed his provision and his protection, but he has not answered the way I have longed for. And I would have to say that's been my experience at times as well. Almost, probably the majority of times, he's answered as I'd hoped, but other times not so. And I have been disappointed and discouraged and set back and wondered, Lord, what are you doing But as I look back down the course of time and experience, I would also have to say this. He may not have given me everything I had prayed for, but he has always given me everything I had hoped for. Patience. Perseverance. The ability to continue when I wanted to give up answered prayer in ways I could not have imagined. Not everything I had prayed for, but everything I'd hoped for. And what makes the difference? We see it in verse 7. Because not only does he say in verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Verse 7 becomes that other memory verse from Psalm 37. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Now this morning all of us agree with this. And we are very good at giving others that advice, are we not? But we find it awfully hard to apply to ourselves. And we find it hard to apply to ourselves for a number of reasons. Because we live in a day and age, and a couple of weeks ago again we mentioned this, that we have just simply on our smartphones, we have more access to information than any other generation combined. And whenever we are on a smartphone or a tablet or a laptop, what we discover is this. 
Our phones always promise another update to see images to like, websites to visit, games to play, text to read, streams to watch, forecasts to monitor, podcasts to download, headlines to scan, articles to skim, scores to check, prices to compare. Remember we said that two weeks ago? And we said our biggest challenge this week may be to switch off our phones, close our laptops, switch off our smart TVs, and spend unhurried time with Him. And it's still true, isn't it? Hence the psalmist says, be still. And it's awfully hard to be still because we are somehow training our minds and our hearts into believing that quiet time is wasted time. After all, someone may be emailing me or someone texting me or someone updating the Facebook page or the Instagram account. And we're constantly going back to look and look and look and the endorphins are running through our mind and it gives us a chemical reaction that I am needed, I'm wanted, rather than putting it down and resting in Him. Now, phones and laptops and screens are remarkably helpful in a 21st century setting. So I don't disparage them, but somehow I would have to confess that it has become the master and I am the slave, rather than the other way around. And so he says, be still. Be still before the Lord. Put down the concerns, the anxieties, the fears, and rest in Him. Be still. And we find it hard not simply because we live in a 21st century setting. We find it hard for another reason. And a much more subtle reason. Because sometimes when we pray, we still have the application method running through our mind. We still want to know, how can we get him to see it from my perspective? How can we get him to answer in this manner? And if only he would fix this person and that person and this situation and that situation, everything else would be right and perfect. And after all, I know best because I am working at it day by day. I have thought it through. I've prayed it through. I know what's best in this situation. And it becomes more about my will be done than... Thy will be done. Ever been there? How often have we said on a Sunday morning that our prayer should be, Lord, grant me patience. Now, today, at this moment, right away, I need patience. Please give me patience. And we get frets and caught up looking for patience. And it's the very opposite of that, isn't it? It is be still. Before the Lord. Now I would have to tell you, I would love this verse if that's all it said, but it doesn't. It then adds, and wait patiently for Him. Why are those words added? Because David knows this. That while, and how often have we said this, that while we are looking for the result of prayer, 
God is more interested in the process of prayer because in the process he is what? Shaping, changing, fashioning, refining us. Because who we are is more important than anything we will ever do. And finally, what I want you to take away this morning, several things. Number one, delight yourself in the Lord. Make time for Him this week. Consciously, intentionally, carve out time consistently each day. Number two, make Him central in your thinking. Father, I can't see the way ahead, but I know you can. Please lead and guide and direct me. Central in your thinking. Central in your feelings. Father, I have no idea what you are doing here. And I am so caught up in this. I am grieving. I am hurt. I am longing. Put him central in your emotions. Fathers, lead my emotions. Help me to take the sting out of this. Let me see your comforting hand at work. Don't be a hostage to your emotions. Number three, central in your planning. Father, thy will be done, not my will be done. And when you find yourself there, then you can delight yourself in the Lord And be still in his presence. That may be the hardest thing you do this week. But it will also be your most rewarding. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the practical lessons from this passage of scripture this morning. Allow us please as we move, continue to move into a new month and a new week. To rest in you. To delight in you. Be still in your presence. Father, you know each of us so much better than we know ourselves. Take your word this morning. Write it on the tablets of our hearts. That we in turn might rest in you, our Redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.